Hello and welcome to another episode of Holy Crap It Sports for a Friday, April 19th, 2019 on a blustery day here in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I'm Pete Davis, your host, and we got a lot to talk about today for this good Friday. I hope you're having a good Friday so far and you have a good Passover and Easter and everything else that goes on for the next few days. we got some breaking news coming on, and Mets fans are not going to like this. In fact, if you're a fan of good pitching, great pitching, you're not going to like this at all. Baseball fans shouldn't like it, and I kind of grew up a Braves fan, and I don't like this, even though he's a Met. So we have talk about Jacob deGrom. May have an uh uh-oh. More talk of racism in baseball, unfortunately, old and new racism. Dale Murphy has a solution for all this showboating and the hit by uh, pitchers that comes after it. God bless America has been benched. An Indian becomes a citizen. More bad news for the Red Sox, unfortunately. Uh, Can you beat the freeze? The Brewers bashing pitchers. Ender Inciarte's time as a brave coming to an end. The Gronk responds, what is a blimp folder, uh, this day in baseball history, and fan feedback letters. Oh, boy, I've got a doozy today. I'm going to enjoy reading this one from a lovely lady named Susan. She has some uh, constructive criticism for me, and we look forward to it. By the way, we're going to count the um, sirens that go by today. I think yesterday we had a record of 5,000. So we're going to see how many we can get today. Hopefully everyone's going to chill out on this good Friday and not uh, need to call the ambulance or police or the firefighters today. Anyway, let's start with the news right now. Jacob deGrom, the Mets ace and reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, is on his way to New York City, probably there already, to undergo an MRI exam on his elbow, which has been barking, is what it was described by manager Mickey Calloway. He talked to reporters before Friday night's game against the Cardinals, that's today, in St. Louis. DeGrom first felt the discomfort at a game of catch, which is not good. The Mets reached a five-year, $137.5 million extension shortly before opening day with the 30-year-old DeGrom, who made history earlier this season. He tied a record for most consecutive quality starts that was previously held only by Bob Gibson. One of my all-time favorites, 26 straight consecutive uh, quality starts. I guess that's redundant. DeGrom had recently battled an illness that he discovered uh, was a bout of strep throat. Uh, The right-hander began taking antibiotics this week and left Philadelphia feeling better. But as a precaution, the Mets opted to delay his next start. And now it may be even more delayed as that, as he has an uh uh-oh. His elbow is barking, the right one. Well, here we get to the uh, not good news for baseball. White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson was suspended for one game after calling Royals pitcher Brad Keller, and this is bad language here, even though I'm not going to say the N-word. He called Brad Keller a weak-ass fucking N-word. And he didn't say N-word. He said the word during a benches-clearing incident, which was precipitated by Keller hitting Anderson with a pitch. Uh, This is all very ironic since Tim Anderson is black and Brad Keller is white. Anyway, Keller was suspended for five games. He hit Anderson in the butt with a 92-mile-per-hour fastball, just one plate appearance after Anderson walloped a home run and then tossed his bat toward the White Sox's dugout. After Anderson stepped toward the mound, the benches cleared, and during the fracas... 
Great word. Anderson, who is black, addressed Keller, who is white, with an earshot of the players and the umpires, and it seems like the umpires heard it pretty clear. Sox manager Rick Renteria was suspended one game for his part, and the Wednesday incident is going to serve his suspension in today's game. It's unclear whether Anderson or Keller will appeal their suspensions. I bet Anderson does, since he's being accused of this. The 25-year-old has been one of the breakout stars this year, batting a league-leading 422, four home runs, 12 RBIs, and seven stolen bases. After the game, Kansas City third baseman Hunter Dozier told reporters, when you do something like the bat flip, you kind of show you're going to get hit. Once you get hit, just deal with it. Go to first. That's my take on it. Keller did the right thing. He aimed for the lower body. He hit him. It should be just like, okay, go to first and move on. Well, we're supposed to have let the kids play now, right? According to Mike Trout and the rest of them. Well, Dale Murphy, the great former Atlanta Brave, uh, he calls himself on Twitter, Commissioner Past Generation MLB, has come out with a tweet as to exactly what should happen with the showboaters. Apparently, today's generation of MLB players did not get my memo that declared acts of celebration and happiness have been given the green light, both by the hitter and the pitcher. Please post in all clubhouses. <laughs> Del Murphy. One day I'll tell you my Del Murphy story and how I got the first woman into the Braves uh, locker room, but that's a, for another day. Uh, the Yankees have suspended the use of Kate Smith's recording of God Bless America, only I, she can do that better, during the seventh inning stretch while they investigate an allegation of racism against the late singer. The New York Daily News, what a shock that the Daily News would be the one to try and call someone 80 years ago a racist, uh, said there are conflicting claims about Kate's 1939 song. And uh, I apologize once again. This is the name of the song, man. It was the 1930s. That's why darkies were born. The song came out of the 1931 Broadway review uh, musical, George White's Scandals, was considered satire at the time. I think a lot of people forget the fact that we, we used to be able to satirize people, like elected officials. I think there's some corporate heads that have lost that uh, sense of satire. Uh, it includes racist language, the song does. It was recorded by not only Kate Smith. It was recorded by a gentleman with an amazing voice by the name of Paul Robeson who was a black singer and actor back then and a full-fledged communist, by the way. Uh, The Yankees said in their statement, and boy, this is something written by the lawyers and the PR people, the Yankees have been made aware of a recording that had been previously unknown to us and decided to immediately and carefully review this new information. The Yankees take social, racial, and cultural insensitivities very seriously. And while no final conclusions have been made, we are erring on the side of sensitivity. The Yankees... The Yankees are racist. Smith died in 1986, by the way, Kate Smith. The Yankees have used her recording of God Bless America and sometimes even live singers during the seventh inning since the 9-11 terrorist attacks back in 2001. They used an organ version of the song Wednesday and Thursday. And this isn't just baseball. You know, I never mentioned the NHL here, but I will now because it looks bad for them. Philadelphia Flyers have announced their intent to distance themselves from Kate Smith and her rendition of the song God Bless America. Here's what the Flyers put out. We have recently become aware that several songs performed by Kate Smith contain offensive lyrics that do not reflect our values as an organization. As we continue to look into this serious matter, we are removing Kate Smith's recording of God Bless America from our library and covering up the statue that stands outside our arena. 
This is important here. As an Atlanta Flames fan growing up here in the 70s, I knew very well that the Flyers used to play God Bless America before their big games. Um, I didn't like it <laughs> because they usually meant the Flyers were going to win. But according to the Flyers, not only did Kate Smith sing uh, Why Darkies Were Born, she sang a song called Pickaninny Heaven. And a lot of people don't know that's not a very good word, uh, the P word. It was directed at colored children, uh, according to this report. Uh, Smith died in 1986, by the way, as I repeated. But here's the problem about wrapping her statue with a cloth. The cloth is a very dark black cloth. She's wrapped from head to toe, and it looks like she's basically following Sharia law. She, it looks like a Muslim woman covered from head to toe in a burqa. And I would imagine there's going to be some talk from Muslim groups up in Philadelphia as to why this was chosen to uh, chastise Kate Smith, a dead woman, at least her statue. Um, look, it was 1939. If you're going to go back and try, and like someone tried this a few months ago about John Wayne. They're going to change John Wayne Airport's name in Los Angeles because he came out with a Playboy. Uh, it was either 1969 or 79 that John Wayne had an interview in Playboy, and he said some things that you wouldn't say today, but it was 1969 and 79, whatever. So baseball's got to look into that. So now we're not discussing baseball. We're discussing stupid stuff like this again. Well, here's a very good story. Let's discuss the good stuff. It's Good Friday, man. Not even a cold, rainy day in Cleveland, which got the Braves-Indians uh, game postponed until a doubleheader tomorrow on Saturday. Not only a bad day in Cleveland could hinder Carlos Santana's joyful smile today. The Cleveland Indians first baseman sworn in as a U.S. citizen took the oath with 83 other people while his two young daughters fought for his attention. Afterwards, Santana beamed with pride. Here's his quote. Thanks, Cleveland, for giving me an opportunity. This is my residence, my city, and I'm proud and happy for that. Thank God I'm an American. End quote. He originally was from the Dominican Republic. Santana left Cleveland as a free agent to sign with the Phillies after the 2017 season. He came back in a trade last December. He didn't do very well in Philadelphia. I don't think he was happy there. Who is? Santana, who's had a strong start this season with the Tribe, admitted some nervousness when he first arrived here in the U.S. when he signed with the Dodgers in 2004. I was really scared when I came here, but now everything is positive and I'm happy and excited. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is what uh, immigration does, legal immigration. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. It's what America, makes America great. He waited in line. He took the test. Oh, you're right here. He did everything he was supposed to do. He filled out the uh, reports, did everything he was supposed to do, and now he's a legal U.S. citizen. He didn't walk across the border and break United States immigration laws. Remember, we are supposed to be rule of law. Anyway, I get off the soapbox there. Congratulations to Carlos Santana. Uh, bad news for the Red Sox. They have placed infielder Eduardo Nunez on the 10-day injured list with a mid-back strain. Or, I'm sorry, mid-back strain. It's retroactive to Thursday. With second baseman Dustin Pedroia and infielder Brock Holt also on the IL, the Red Sox called up infielder Zhu Wei Lin and Michael Chavis from AAA Paul Tuckett. The reeling Red Sox are just 6-13 and 13 after a two-game sweep by the Yankees. They open a three-game series against the East-leading, that's right, the East-leading Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field later today. And as I said, this is Good Friday. Well, if you're familiar uh, with the Braves games played at SunTrust Park, they have a little contest they do, which is basically beat the freeze. They have a gentleman, 
chase a guy around the outfield and see if they can beat him in a relay race. Well, the Royals have built their roster around speed this season, and two of their fastest players say they are ready to beat the freeze later on this year. And Royal center fielder Billy Hamilton says, I think we should make that happen. He was talking on MLB Network's Intentional Talk Show. Hamilton and his teammate Terrence Gore, two of baseball's very quickest players, and Atlanta's famous freeze character, whose real name, by the way, is Nigel Talton, who is a security guard, grounds crew member, and former track star from Iowa Wesleyan. They want to take him on in a foot race around the warning track at SunTrust Park. The Royals will visit the Bravos for a two-game set in late July. That's the Freeze's home turf. And by the way, he's no slouch, by the way, the Freeze. He ran a sub 10.5-second, 100-meter race in college, finished third in the 60-meter dash at the NAIA Track Championships. But you know what? I think Hamilton and Gore will both beat him because, frankly, he's been beaten at least a couple times already this year by ordinary fans. I think uh, he can be beat by players. Uh, By the way, Hamilton has finished within the top 10 on StatCast's sprint speed leaderboard in each of their first four seasons of tracking this, topping out at 30.2 feet per second four, three years ago, actually. He's probably slowed down a little bit since then. The major league average for sprint speed is 27 feet per second. Anything above 30 is considered the absolute cream of the crop. Gore also might be have the advantage of familiarity, familiarity if you want to use English. He and the Freeze grew up near each other in Georgia. They were both high school track stars here. I know that guy Gore says he's a good dude. So will the Freeze accept Hamilton and Gore's challenge? And a better question, will the Royals permit two of their fastest players to air it out in a race? Because I can just see a little hamstring pull coming from this. Hey, it's time to take a drink. Mm-mm-mm. Since it's Good Friday, we'll just stick with the wine today. A little St. Michael's Northwest Passage wine up there. Here's a good little thing about the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers used to be known as, uh, let's see, Harvey Keynes. And now I'm coming drawing a blank. Back then, 83, when they went back, uh, they were playing very well against the Cardinals in the World Series, and the Cardinals beat them in the World Series. I believe that was 82, 83 back then. Harvey Keene was the manager of Milwaukee. And uh, good grief. Uh, wall bangers. Harvey Keene's wall bangers. I knew I'd get it. Well, it's not just the uh, batters these days from Milwaukee. It's their pitchers, too. According to David Adler of MLB.com, uh, think the MLB needs a universal DH? Well, don't tell the brew crew. The pitching staff is off to an unbelievable start at the plate. Brewers pitchers are hitting, well, not like pitchers, 363 batting average over 37 plate appearances with two home runs, a 992 OPS. That's more than double the OPS of 11 of the other 14 NL teams pitchers. They're batting better than Mike Trout, who's just doing 348. <laughs> They're getting on base more than Bryce Harper at 415. They're outslugging Paul Goldschmidt at 563. Their OPS topped Javier Baez at 986. And did you think the new Brewers catcher Yasmani Grandal was off to a hot start? Well, guess what? He, too, is being out-hit by the pitchers there. Yeah, that's right. Grandal is batting just 350 with a 403 on-base percentage. Not as good as the pitchers. The Brewers are getting most of their pitching hitting production from two starters, Brandon Woodruff and Julis Chassin. And you might know Woodruff as the pitcher who homered off Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs 
Well, he's kept it up, the 26-year-old. Two doubles so far, three singles, and a walk in eight plate appearances. The 31-year-old Chassin has plenty of hitting experiences with 65 at-bats, or actually 65 hits, excuse me, and 336 at-bats. Also a pair of homers so far this season. Uh, Chassin is three for five with a walk and a long ball. There's also reliever Aaron Wilkerson's two-run homer on Wednesday, his first career hit, and it goes out of the ballpark. Speaking about going out of the ballpark, Andrew Enciarte is known for doing that, but not with his bat. He's known for jumping up over the wall and taking away home runs. Well, he may not be long for Atlanta, according to TalkingChop.com. A uh, person named Sam Meredith, don't know if it actually it's a, it's a man. Sam the Man 180 is his Twitter handle, so I'm assuming he's a man. Uh, there I am putting gender roles on people. Austin Riley is the third base prospect with the next level bat coming up for the Braves. He was taken with the 41st pick of the 2015 draft. He's seen every single level of the Braves minor league system. He's at 22 years old. He's about to go through his second season at AAA Gwinnett. Hopefully he'll be up before then. He's hit 20 homers each in the years 16, 17, and 18. Well, he's blocked right now by former MVP Josh Donaldson at playing third base. Well, according to TalkingChop.com, there is a very simple way to get Austin Riley up here and get him playing and that means Ender Enciarte going away. In fact, Ender is pretty much the worst offensive player on the team outside of the pitchers. Uh, his defense, though, is still damn good. He's 29 years old at the end of this season. He's got two years, $15 million remaining on his contract. He's got a team option in 2022 for $9 million. So you look at this, Ender Enciarte can still play the outfield. And you know what? He always kind of starts a little slow, it seems. So maybe he'll just heat up like he did again last year. But looking at this, let's get into the analytics here. His defensive side of the ball is good, but according to Sam, the actual heat map of where he hit the ball last season is very telling. I'm looking at this heat map, and he scatters all over the field, mostly to the left side. He's a left-handed hitter, but he'll hit it toward short and third and toward left field. Uh, He hit a lot of balls in the infield. And according to this heat map, it looks like he burned a humongous hole in the ground around first base. That's not good. That's not good. In addition, he's got the lowest, this is Ender Enciarte, the lowest average exit velocity of qualified players since he entered the league in 2015. So where do you put uh, Austin Riley? Well, he can't play center field. He barely played left field, but that's where you'd probably put him because Ronald Acuna Jr. would take over in center field, and that's what they're claiming well, the Braves might be doing later. Well, frankly, the Braves um, held the Diamondbacks to five runs in three games at home and got swept. So maybe they do need some more bats up here. I told you uh, yesterday in the podcast that Rob Gronkowski had put a dent in the NFL's Lombardi Trophy because he was uh, being a smartass and trying to bunt a baseball at Fenway Park. Well, he has come out with an apology. Gronk, Gronk sad. He put out a tweet today, and it's one word apology. It says, oopsies. Defensive back of the Patriots, Deron Harmon, his teammate, said that if anybody could do this and get away with it, it would be Mr. Gronkowski. And that's what's going on. Say, what's a blimp folder? You may be asking yourself, what's a blimp folder? B-L-I-M-P folder. How do you fold a blimp? Well, according to ESPN, ballplayers kind of want to stay anonymous sometimes when they're out and about. Like when they sign the hotel register as Larry Tate or something like that, or John Carter, Warlord of Mars. They want to be 
left alone sometimes. They just want to walk around the city and be left alone. But every once in a while, somebody will strike up a conversation with them and say, hey, what do you do for a living? So what do you do? And baseball players, you know, if they say they're a baseball player, oh, really, who do you play for? Oh, you suck, you know, stuff like that. So they want to avoid that. Well, ESPN has put together a list of some pretty funny stuff. Kevin Gonsman of the Braves said, I'm a blimp folder. I just fly around with the pilot and make sure to type in the right thing. Sometimes we'll have football games and you have to type in, go Patriots, or there's a free Bud Light after the game. And then we land and we deflate the blimp and I start folding. It takes a long time to fold a blimp, usually a couple hours, but I try to get it done pretty quick. Now, people always assume that someone's telling the truth, especially when they first meet you and ask what you do. They don't think that you're lying. This is according to Kevin Gosman. So a lot of people just go with this. They don't think of the fact that there's no way a blimp ever gets folded. And here's how Kevin wraps this up. I guess people just aren't that smart. (laughs) I won't give you the whole list. Over the next uh, few podcasts, we'll talk about what Patrick Corbin tells people, what J.T. Rail Muto says, what Corey Dickerson says, what Justin Upton says, what Mike Zanino says, and what Zach Britton, what they tell people when they want to say, leave me alone, but they don't really want to say that. This day in baseball history, well, well, it's time for another drink. Let's do the Manischewitz. Or maybe the Mogan David. It is Passover tomorrow. Let's do that. Today in baseball history, April 19th, 1890, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms who later become the Dodgers, play their first National League game. The former American Association team loses to the Bean Eaters, who will become known as the Braves. They're playing the game up in Boston. On this day in 1912, at Griffith Stadium, here we go again, prior to the Senators' 6-0 win over the A's, James Sherman becomes the first U.S. vice president to throw the ceremonial first pitch on opening day. William Howard Taft, the president, does not attend the game because of the death of his friend, Archibald Butt, that's right, B-U-T-T, a friend lost in the sinking of the Titanic earlier in the month. On this day in 1938, during the first inning, both Dodgers Ernie Coy and Phillies Emmett Mueller homer in their first major league at-bats. The pair of rookies will collectively hit a total of 42 home runs during their nine seasons in the major leagues. But they did it for that one glorious day. On this day in 1939, at an informal press conference arranged by Universal Pictures, actress Dorothy Arnold tells the wire service reporters that she and Joe DiMaggio are engaged and plan to marry sometime this summer. That comes as quite a jolt to Jolton Joe, the Yankee center fielder, makes it very clear that no ceremony is going to take place during the season, but they do exchange vows in November. I think maybe that was his first wife. He later married Marilyn Monroe. On this date, 1948, Yankee starter Allie Reynolds, thinking the Senators are trying to trick him, refuses to leave second base after he hits his first and only career home run, which is unbeknownst to him because he did not see the ball clear the left field fence, and he thinks the Sens are trying to play the old hidden ball trick. Uh, New York skipper Bucky Harris has to finally go out and convince the skeptical base runner to go ahead and round the bases and come home. Uh, to score and lead the win there. By the way, there was a gentleman in the stands laughing heartily about this. His name was President Harry S. Truman. On this day in 1948, the Pirates, wearing their black and gold color scheme for the first time, lose baseball's traditional opener in Cincinnati 4-1 to in a game that features a fight between the opposing players, an umpire, uh, the fans, and a photographer. 
Oh, yeah, and the police were called in. Uh, the Bucks were the first team back then to permanently change their original colors, which were, for a long time, the Pittsburgh Pirates wore red, white, and blues. But they changed to the black and gold because it was the uh, flag of Pittsburgh, the same colors. And let's face it, Pirates look better in black and gold. On this day in 1949, on opening day, the Yankees unveiled a monument in Centerfield honoring the legendary Babe Ruth who had died eight months earlier. The Bambino joined Lou Gehrig and Miller Huggins, who were also awarded posthumously with Cenotaphs, the team's highest honor of all. They used to be in the field of play. 1956, on this day, in the first major league game ever played in New Jersey, the Dodgers began their Jersey City home game experiment with a 10-inning 5-4 win over the Phillies at Roosevelt Stadium. But since only 12,000 people showed up, well, it was bad weather, um... They decided maybe they weren't going to play a lot of games in Jersey. On this day in 1960, a record opening day crowd in Chicago's Comiskey Park greets their American League champs who had lost to the Dodgers the previous year in the World Series. And the patrons warmly welcome the return of Minnie Minoso, one of the great names of baseball, to the team after his three-year exile to Cleveland. The 34-year-old outfielder doesn't disappoint the Southside fans when in addition to hitting a grand slam in the fourth, he blasts the ninth inning walk-off home run, giving the Sox a 10-9 win over KC, the Kansas City A's. 1961 on this date at Comiskey Park, Bill Veck employed some people <laughs> to serve as vendors to the people in the box seats. Why? Well, you need people to employ in that uh, job. But the people in the box seats at Comiskey were complaining that they couldn't see the game because the vendors, the beer vendors, pretzel vendors, hot dog vendors were standing in front of them. So Bill Veck hired eight midgets, I'm sorry, little people, to work the stands as vendors. This day in 1963, Willie Mays becomes the all-time NL right-hander home run leader, connects for his 371st career round tripper, a fourth-inning solo shot off the Cubs' Larry Jackson and a Giants win at Candlestick, surpassing Gil Hodges, who had established the National League mark just the season before. On this day in 1972, the demolition of Crosley Field begins when two-year-old Pete Rose Jr. pulled a lever that sent a wrecking ball into the side of the former home of the Redlegs. The left-field terrace area will become a parking lot, but it's still distinguishable if you go to Cincinnati due to its slope and proximity to York Street. By the way, going back to the 1963 Willie Mays hitting home run number 371, which made him the all-time National League right-handed home run leader, isn't that amazing? Because I think Mel Ott had 511, and um, he had hit most of his with the New York Giants, if not all of them. On this date, 1972, Sparky Lyle, and oh, by the way, Ott was a lefty. By this way, uh, 1972, Sparky Lyle became the first reliever to come into a game with that signature interest song when the Yankee Stadium PA system played Pomp and Circumstance, the graduation song. Well, he goes ahead and gets the save, Sparky does. I love Sparky Lyle. What a great pitcher and a character as well. But afterwards, he says, maybe you shouldn't play that, that uh, song when I come in. They said, why? Because it puts a little pressure on me. <laughs> on this day in 1979, after a loss to the Orioles in New York, Goose Gossage, another great name and character, got a sprained ligament in his left thumb as a result of a clubhouse brawl with his teammate Cliff Johnson, who was a big guy. Both of them big guys. Uh, Goose would be out until mid-July. Johnson would be traded to the Indians. Uh, this day in 1999, a sore back puts Iron Man Cal Ripken Jr. on the disabled list, the first time the Oriole infielder had been on a DL during his 19-year career. And there you go. That's uh, this day in baseball history. And now... The new segment, 
<laughs> Critique time. It's time to tell Pete, that's me, what I've done wrong and what I do good. Today, a gentleman called up on our, our radio show on Talk 106.7 FM Atlanta from 3 to 6 p.m. every Monday through Friday afternoon until they kick us off the air, which will be in a month or two. Um, that's the Kimmer Show, by the way. Someone called up and said that I say the word basically a lot. So maybe I should start a count with that. By the way, we've had one siren today, and it's very, 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 very low. Anyway, Susan decided to write me and say, I don't want to be critical since I'm a fan. But then she went ahead and was critical. But these podcasts are not anywhere near as entertaining as what you do on The Kimmer Show. Shorten them up and bring back your biting wit. Now, Susan, how can I possibly take any critique of yours seriously if you don't just come right out and tell me what you think? You've got to quit holding back. It's going to cause ulcers. Uh, Jeff has a critique about the Braves. He says, uh, send everyone in the bullpen to the minors and bring up enough people from the minors to replace them. It can't be any worse. You know what, Jeff? I can't agree more. That's not going to happen, but whatever. I say bring up Austin Riley. They need some bats. Anyway, this is a, another episode of Holy Crap at Sports. I hope you have a lovely Good Friday, Passover, Easter. Uh, by the way, if you're in Canada listening, and so far I don't have any Canadian listeners in Canada, I have them in Australia, but not Canada. I hope you get the Expos back someday, and happy Easter Monday. For some reason, they have something called Easter Monday up there. I don't know if that means they just want well, a longer weekend or what. I don't know. Maybe Jesus came back differently uh, in Canada. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, everybody have a lovely weekend. Uh, drank up Shriners uh, tonight. Remember, stick to the wine. It's water and wine this weekend. And uh, we'll do that. And um, it's time to break out the dark chocolate Easter bunnies on Sunday. Remember, it's got to be solid. And it's got to be the dark chocolate because that's, that's the healthy one. Okay, I'm Pete Davis. You can follow me at Pete Davis one on Twitter. That's at Pete Davis, the number one on Twitter. Or write me uh, Pete Davis one at yahoo.com. I also found out there's a Pete Davis one at AOL.com. I'll also answer that too if you want to write me there. Anyway, have a lovely evening and weekend and uh, play ball.